So this episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker and Meg, why don't you run down what Inside Tracker is and what you can get? Yeah, so Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics. With a simple blood test and using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. And the good news for our listeners is for a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash drop in. Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Robbie with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And you're listening to The Drop, our weekly podcast about excellence and moving your way up the corporate ladder. <laughs> yep. Learn all the highly effective habits of seven people. Yeah. Wait, seven like effective that. habits of <laughs> 10 people making Just, friends and influencing people. Yeah. Um, no, it's actually, it, it, believe it or not, this is about running and we talk a little bit about our running adventures, and then we usually interview somebody who is also having running adventures. And sometimes we bring up news and cultural stuff that's happening in running. Mm -hmm. So let's get down to business because this was a big week. This was fun. We had some cool stuff happen. We went on down to Florida. And I think I'd rather start with Robbie this time. Oh, because into it. this redemption, yours is kind of getting boring, Meg. Like it's like, oh, just we have to again. at least give the shout out to Meg for winning her fifth straight yeah, fifth, well, you not counting the virtual year. Yeah, the last year it was canceled. So <laughs> we we traveled all the way down to the Donna Marathon, which is the only marathon dedicated to finishing breast cancer. Right, getting rid of it completely. Like it's a charity. Like all the proceeds go to that, right? Yep, it's all part of the Donna Foundation, which is a charity that raises money to help women going through breast cancer and their families and also research at the Mayo Clinic. Yeah, so it, you know other marathons may be, have a charity component. This is the charity for breast cancer. It's the only one in the nation. So it's pretty important. It's an important thing for us. The one that we say, hi, Ma, to at the end of the podcast is a survivor from breast cancer, and that's Meg's mom. And so it's always been near and dear to our heart. And uh, so we went down. This is uh, our, your fifth time winning, fifth time if you count, like, the event going on, because last year it was virtual. You didn't do the virtual marathon. but I did the virtual half, though. Yeah. Oh. And I did win that. <laughs> nice. All right. But not the not the full marathon. But yeah, so this is probably our sixth or seventh year with the foundation. I think it's like seven because I ran the marathon the first year. Yeah, and that was my. It's a fun course. That was my first BQ, um, and it was you ran the marath half marathon with your mom that year. Yep. Then the following year, I went back and ran the marathon again. So for a while, I was doing the marathon. Then for some reason, I went to the half and stuff. Uh, I, I will say, sorry, not to change your race history, but, um, <laughs> the, the actual event is pretty amazing cause it's like, you see, there's a lot of survivors that run it. And so 
I know you told me that before, but actually like being at the finish line and seeing people come across, it's like, you know, marathons are cool to watch, but then like amplify that. It's pretty cool. And it's, the, a, it's an emotional finish line. Yeah, for sure. And that was this year when oh. the finish line was a chilly, like 46 degrees. Uh, ra- this is in Florida. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. With rain coming down, gusts up to 20 miles per hour. No, the gusts were like 40 miles per hour. Yeah, the, uh, the, the constant the wind, wind was 20. Uh, okay. <laughs> it <Yeah>. was ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, it was, as a spectator, it was one of those days where you're like, oof. So, Robbie. Yeah. 13040. Uh-huh. New PR. Yep. Like and pretty impressive because like we've been talking on the show a little bit about you having some struggling with running, struggling with feeling good. So first off, physically, anything bother you in your leg during the run? Uh no, I've felt pretty <laughs> I'm like, I mean, the only thing that I had was uh I get this whenever I do fast efforts at pretty much any race I've ever done. I get like a tendonitis in my knee. Like the side of my knee, usually what feels like ten minutes towards the end of a of a race, and that started happening like mile six, but it went away like mile eight. Oh wow! Wait, so, it happens in the middle of the run. Usually, it happens at like the very end, like any my fifty miler, my marathons, my ten k's. It always happens just like at the end. It could be a mental thing. I don't know. It could be, or it could be maybe you're imbalanced and need a little strength. Yeah, but I was glad it went away. Yeah. So <laughs> here's what I want to know because I looked at your your splits. Obviously, afterwards you shared them. They're beautiful. So it was a really nice progression. And I was like, did Robbie have a plan that he was like, I'm going in, I'm going to go in at this pace and grind it down? Or did the winds really help uh, as you turn uh, No, I mean, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't feel like, obviously a tailwind helps and a headwind hurts, but I felt like that was my exactly what I was do, trying to do anyways. So my goal was to go out so my goal was like 130 like a goal now if it was an actual 13.1 i got under that but (laughs) but, so my pace was on i love it i love it when people are like well you know if it if it was perfect i'm saying that i should have the goal that i had like the pace and the pacing that i had Mm -hmm. was to land it at 13.1 which i should have like did you did you sit down and go okay these are the paces i want to hit or was it just kind of like, ah, I'd love to hit? Well, I knew I went to average, like around 655 or 7, really 7. So I was just like, I'll just start at 715 and then just try to go down. Okay. And when we went out, there was the like 20 mile per hour headwind like yeah. straight on. That would be a tough start. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it's there actually are some little tiny hills, but it's like an up and down and not hills, but it's, (laughs) there's a lot of turns. There was 36 feet of elevation gain over the marathon, but it's just like this. I know what you mean. Weird thing. And it's not dead flat anyways, but, uh, it's not downhill and you can't put roller skates on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There actually was like a one downhill part that was kind of nice, but anyways, so I went out and I was trying to, in the beginning, there's a little bit of a group that I could get into, and then it was basically like all my own after a mile. And I was feeling like if I pushed any harder with my legs against the wind, then they would burn out like within yeah. a mile. So I was just holding that pace. What was that pace? 7.15. Okay. And the weird thing, so, oh, for this race, I didn't look at my watch at all. So you stuck to it. I did. Okay, yeah. Until awesome. only until the last mile when I was like trying to see how like if I could get under one thirty. Um so that was the only time I looked at it. But 
what was cool about this race is they had uh, timing and clocks at every mile. Oh, they, I didn't know that. Which is the first time I ever like experienced that in a race. Usually it's like half marathon, yeah, you get park, little... 5K. And so that was cool because I could actually see. But then like, you know, like when in later miles you have like, race brain and yeah. you're trying to do the math. Yeah. And it's like, ah, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> if I run five quadrants. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was encouraging. And uh, I could, so I could look at the clock and know what I was running each mile. So I was feeling good. And then, um, and then at the turnaround at six miles, you kind of get a tailwind and you run through some neighborhoods and stuff. And then. I was, I was feeling really good, like miles four through five, just like excellent. And then it, I was just having fun yeah. for sure. Like I was just like, this feels okay. I can keep doing this. And then once I get to that like halfway point, I feel like if I'm feeling good, then I feel like Take I can it. really like start turning it up. And that's what I did. And it really helped because there's one section where we passed – you pass the tail end of the race or whatever. Like it's Yeah, that was weird. Like psychologically that has to hurt a little bit. Uh for me or for anybody, uh, like you're running past the finish line. Oh no, no, not that part. Uh, I mean like halfway through there's like a section where you're like on they're on one side of the road and you're on the other side it's of the road. It's an outback. So okay. you have all of the mm-hmm. slower marathoners coming this way. All right. Yeah. And so there was uh it was probably only like a quarter mile and there was at least four people who were like, Robbie. And I was like, <laughs> all right, that feels good. Yeah. Like, that's a nice little bump. <laughs> nice. And um, so if you're listening to the podcast, and you, I appreciate that, by the way. So so that was a nice bump. And I took a Martin. So but pre-race, I took a uh, early morning at 8, peanut butter, toast, um, with honey. Then I had like a drink mix like some free product that we got from a company <laughs> of course you did and first time using it no i've actually i do use that <laughs> all my uh all my long runs uh, i do use that stuff and uh i wish i knew what it's called because i should give them a shout out but then and then i had a martin and then a banana before the race and then at did six, you take a martin during the race mile six okay. yeah and that was it all right that i mean for half I guess you could take two. I have been recently. I never used to take any. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Probably I didn't need though. I felt really great um, the whole time. And then I just kept, I just kept cranking it up. Like, and just, especially when there was like four or five miles left, I was just like, I'm just going to keep dropping it. And then I thought 130 was possible. Like it would be a stretch, but I thought I could. So I was just like really pounding it out. And like, I think I averaged, Six twenty, six nineteens for the last five k. That's impressive. Yeah, which is. which the, is faster than your is five k. It was actually three seconds off my five k PR, yeah. <laughs> and I peak PR'd in the ten k distance. So yeah, it's a, it was that's a, a good a, day, a great day. And what was cool is that Aldrin was there. Yeah, so you were able to kind of like he finished. Aldrin got second place overall. Yeah, he finished in one sixteen. I think one sixteen. It's just insane. Yeah, and then so you you cross the line. You got Aldrin there, so you had some like companionship at the end as well yeah yeah and then i puked in the oh, you puked too yeah but i didn't really have anything and like megan i only had a little bit of martin in me yeah and it, i didn't since where i was uh i wanted to be able to catch megan and ben at like mile 14 so i didn't get to be at the finish and see you finish but i i saw you guys shortly after when when megan and ben were coming to the finish line i do have a question 
So I, I, I've actually been thinking about this because I kind of don't understand. And maybe you have an explanation, Megan. I don't like 715 was the start. And I was like, I'll keep going down. All right. But <laughs> when I run a normal run and I try to run a 715 mile, it feels like I literally can only do one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I don't understand how on, and I don't know, maybe it's just like something that I could do and I don't understand how I do it. Like on race day, I can just be like, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, good. And I'm the opposite. <laughs> I can train at the pace that I want to run a race at. I get to race day and I'm like, Burp. yeah. <laughs> well, for someone, for someone who's training like a, what I would call a normal, typical training plan, like following, you have the taper and then you go into race day and you have adrenaline and there's like a bunch of factors that combine to make True. race pace feel easier. You, on the other hand, don't really follow any strict training plan. I'm not sure that you did a real taper. Uh, I kind of. I mean, I did actually the weekend before. I know I did like th three back-to-back -back double <laughs> runs, back-to-back-to-back. -to -back -to -back. So I don't know. I think yours is uh, a lot of mental. Okay. Yeah. A lot Robbie's of adrenaline. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. It's good, though. You I, got you can turn it on on race day. That is yeah. true. I'd, I'd prefer. Yeah. Actually, I love training, so works both I ways. just think about even when I was doing a few speed workouts that you gave me, Megan, um, I was just like trying to do 715 mile or something. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to die. Like there's, I can't do I this. mean, you also <laughs> do have like, at least when you're going out with a race, I always find that it's the trap for me is that everybody going out real fast and everybody looks, it doesn't like you look at other people and you're like, this doesn't look hard. Yeah. And you end up going out too fast and then it's like someone hands you a, I will say that is one thing I'm pretty good at is knowing that if I feel like I'm going slow, I'm going race pace. Yeah. <laughs> like in the beginning. Uh, so I'm good at not going out fast. But, and my favorite thing in the world is just passing people. Like there's, that's the best feeling at the end of a race. <laughs> so I'd rather leave some meat on the bone. Like there might be some meat on the bone and just. I don't know if you're throwing up at the end. That's. I mean, yeah, I was dry heaving the whole last mile. So there you go. So you did it right. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah. All right, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was definitely pretty awesome though. Yeah, it, it was, was it was cool to see, and it was great to see like kind of like you know we we were talking about and you've had you know a readjustment mm -hmm. recently. Yeah. So, so it kind of like is an affirmation for hey you're heading in the right right direction. Yeah. No, awesome. I'm I'm excited. I think this year will be good. Yeah. And then, on, yeah, let's talk about this. On top of it, this is more important. We have Ben Johnson. I don't know about more important, but equally exciting. Uh, ben Johnson came down to pace Megan for the marathon. I was hyped up because originally I had signed up for the half marathon, but with what was going on with my foot, I was like, I'll just be support crew for this. And it was actually more fulfilling than I thought it would be. I had a lot of fun being the guy to grab jackets at the start being the guy to help out during the run and uh, take photos and do all that stuff, which I normally would probably be, I probably would have been all, uh, depending on how my race went, either sad sack or excited <laughs> on the side uh, for, for the half marathon. So it gave me a chance to kind of be a spectator at the event, which I'd never really done. And it was a blast. I mean, we were very grateful that you were there. There's something really comforting about, being able to wear your jacket and just hand it over to someone right before the gun goes off. 
Yeah. And hand you a Martin. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so let's talk about this. Cause like your version of the race, like how like Robbie had the turnaround and he kind of had some help with the win, at least not hurting. Like it would have sucked. I felt like you guys went the right way while you're strong in the beginning. You got to go against the win. You turn around, kind of go with the win. And I, when I say go with the wind, I was out there. It was shooting all different directions. Yeah, I mean, it was coming sideways, too. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't like a perfect, like, tailwind where Robbie just Cruised, could, like, yeah. put up his arms and I, catch the wind. I remember in the second half, there was a point where it came around a turn onto, like, a wide-open street, like, and it was just, like, blasting me, me in the head. Like, I thought I was good to go, and I just literally just started laughing. I yeah. was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but it helped. I was like, you know what? Whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Anyways. So how was like for the course for you, what was, what was different about it this year? And obviously this was, you know, you, you did, I would think fairly well, but I know that you had loftier goals. So like kind of walk me through that. Yeah. So Ben and I went out. So the night before we looked at the forecast and we knew like this was not, this was not ideal conditions for a PR, but I, I looked at Ben at the start line and I said, let's just try Let's just see what we can do. So the goal was to get as close to 250 as possible, which would have been a PR. And I said, let's start out at like mid 630s for at least the first 5K and try and get down to like 630 flat and just hang on. And I said, maybe we'll get that tailwind from like 14 down to 18. And I was like, maybe we'll just drop it down. We'll be feeling so good and we'll bank some time in there. <laughs> How'd that work out? I had all these lofty ideas. <laughs> I like it. Um, so anyway, we went out, felt really good. Um, I was lucky that Ben found a guy who was like basically running a 630 and he clung next to him knowing that I could tuck in behind the two of them. So I basically got a break from the headwinds throughout the, the first six miles, which was amazing. We lost that guy, um, and then it was just Ben and I. But when you say you lost him, where did he go? He <laughs> he he took off. Okay, he was running the half. So. Uh he picked it up a bit and Ben being a metronome stuck to our 630 pace and we just kept going along. And it's funny because the spectators there are the best, but like any, any race, they have no idea what actual place you are, what distance you're <laughs> well, running. Well, you went out with the half. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so you start all together. And so the whole first half I'm, I'm hearing you're the third woman, you're the third or fourth woman. And I'm like, <laughs> Then there's a good chance that we're we're in the lead here, and so <laughs> we um, the course loops around and the half marathon goes straight to the finish, and you get to watch them go straight to the finish and then take a yeah, hard that ride. That's the part that when I thought Robbie's getting, I thought maybe they did that mm -mm. the loop. No. They just go straight. That hurts. Like when you hear the music and you hear the finish, oh, and you're like you're done. Congratulations. It gets <laughs> it gets worse. But so so we we make it through the first half and. We take a sharp right uh, to go past the, the finish line. And that's where the motorcade picks us up. And it's kind of confirmation of, okay, this, I'm the first woman. And you, we knew, were a mile ahead. You were waiting for us at mile 14. Yeah. And when I saw you, not only were you the first woman, well, Ben's not a woman, <laughs> but we're, not only were you the first woman, but you guys were in third and fourth place overall there was two guys in front of you that were i would say a good 
10 minutes in ahead of you mm-hmm. that uh, I think, what did, what did Chris end up? Chris from down there ran a 235. Um, really impressive performance. Like they were just, they were moving. It was him and another guy and I thought they were buddies and they were going to finish side by side, but that did not happen. Um, we'll get into that, I guess, later. But when I saw you, I was like, holy cow, Megan could finish if Ben gets out of her way. Ben <laughs> <laughs> could finish third overall in the in the marathon. Ben could finish third overall? Yeah. Or, ben oh, could yeah. or Megan could. Or they were yeah. running right next well, to each other. Well, once I realized that, I was thinking, oh, Ben, we could both podium today. Yeah. Because he oh, could yeah. be the third guy. And Yeah, no matter what, Ben was in third place for men. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure. I knew the guys up ahead were way up ahead. I was not sure how far the next guys behind us were. It, uh, it, you you had about a bigger lead on the next guy as the guys up front had on you. Okay. So it was, it was quite a distance. It was basically us out there on the motorcycle. <laughs> so on the way down, we definitely felt some tailwind, but it was also... I don't, it's like the way that the road is spaced between the high rises and the beach. It was like a swirling wind where like you'd get thrown forward and then you get thrown from the side. In fact, if you go through your photos, you can see I'm, I'm right next to Ben and then all of a sudden I'm over (laughs) here and then I'm right back next to Ben because the wind was just throwing us everywhere. Which, which also, you know, I have to say, I wonder, could it, when you're all alone in those kind of conditions, on a marathon and you're getting blown over like the lead guys, they were together. Obviously you and Ben were together. Yeah. I can't imagine being out there by myself and being able to maintain a positive attitude while you're getting whipped around the road. No, I can, I think I told Ben like 15 times. I was like, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I was like, I'm so glad you're here. And I don't know about the half course, Robbie, but there was standing water on, yeah, on the full sure. course. Like I'm it, like, your I, feet are getting, wet. I don't think there was any spot. I think I could avoid any, huge puddles but but at the same time even at the half like the last three miles i was strung out like there was nobody around like i passed like three people in the last three miles which was crazy it's lonely at the top (laughs) (laughs) and i finished like it's a smaller race so i think i finished like in 27th place but there was like just nobody out there small there's two over two thousand runners yeah but compared to like and a normal year it's much larger yeah there Mm -hmm. was COVID and the weather impacted the yeah. actual participants. I do feel day. like we were talking about the people in Florida were like, they're not used to this, these kind of temps. Yeah. It's raining. It's yeah. 20 to 40 mile per hour gusts. So like the dude I went fishing with, uh, he said the week before it was like 32 degrees and, uh, he was in a race and he said there was just like half the half people just didn't, didn't show up. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, it's crazy, and he ended up getting like second or something. With that's the how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So anyway, those miles were great. I thought I was going to be able to just like drop it with a tailwind, but that did not happen. So Ben even said he's like, "Do you want me to try and pick it up now?" And I was like, "No, I do not." <laughs> I was like, "Let's <laughs> just hang on to this six thirty pace." Um. And just a little bit of history, like I've seen you at around mile fourteen, sixteen before in a race where you look fantastic. And then I was like at the finish line, where is she? And you got cramps or something knocked you out. And so I was never comfortable, even though that you guys were so far up in front, I'm not comfortable until I see you cross that finish line. Well, so much can happen in 26 miles, especially well, the last, that, it's only especially yeah, the 10 last, miles. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so the way the course goes is it's, 
you basically go all the way down and then you do a 180 back up and then you go back down and then you do a 180 back up all the way. So I knew once we got to 20, it was basically a grind into the headwinds back to the finish line. And see, having to look forward to that, like knowing that that's a mental like. uh. And I don't know what was going on with my my nutrition, but I had my normal Martins out there, which I took every 30 minutes, almost on the dot. I took the first four. And then I couldn't take any more after that. I just had one left um, and some scratch. But I felt very, very nauseous. Um, I don't know if it was because of the effort. I don't know if it's because my concentration of scratch was too much. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Actually, I talked to Megan about it. But I was feeling very, very nauseous. And so pushing the pace was not really an option. Can, can you just like puke while you're running? I mean, I've done it before. Uh, I, in fact, uh, Ben asked how I was doing. I said, I think I'm going to vomit. And he so was like, why don't you just make yourself do it? During her first sub three marathon. Yeah, I remember that. You threw up. Yeah. Uh, during the, during, and you still finished sub three. So oh, yeah. I just, the, the thought of stopping and then having to start again in the middle of a race sounds worse than just trying to f- just ignore the nauseous. Can you feeling. do it while running? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't think yeah. you can because your abs and stuff would be, you know, like, have you ever, like, you're doubling over. Yeah. In fact, during my initial sub three, I tried to do that and I had to stop. I don't think you can work your legs and your abs at the same time. I'm, like, trying, I'm in, pretty sure I've done it before, but I can't remember. But I don't know. It just depends. If you're running that, <laughs> if you're running that fast. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, okay, where was that, Robbie? <laughs> Uh, it was like another race that I. No, did I thought somewhere. it was like just like running from like. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, it was like in a race. Running from the cops. <laughs> Anyways, whatever, whatever. Okay, right. fair enough. So, so you're you're coming back. You're nauseous. And um, Ben's like t- ten to fifteen feet in front of me, like trying to hold pace, trying to be like my cheerleader. And I'm just like, you know, when you're in that mental spot of like everything hurts, I think I might vomit. There's a giant headwind, like. Nothing, nothing seems great. Um, but he was to, trying to cheer me up. He's like, you're not going to vomit. We're going to do this. <laughs> Get on pace. Um, he started doing the like airplane arms and he's like, is this helping block the wind? And I was like, like see, you're this doing is nothing. What's special about Ben. He's, he's goofing around at a sub three hour marathon pace, yeah. having fun. And at one point we got to, I think it was around miles 22, 23, where the wind was so insane that he and I, like, we weren't sure if we were actually moving forward. <laughs> and because it was so insane, it kind of distracted me from the nausea. And I was just like l- almost laughing because I was like, this is so ridiculous that yeah. we're out here trying to hold a pace in this like wind. Like if this had been a training run, you would just Yeah, I would have just stopped. <laughs> um, so it was weirdly a nice distraction in the sense that like, I was like, whatever is happening is happening right. right now. Meanwhile, I'm, I knew that going into this, that maybe a sub 250 would be a, a potential goal for you. That, that was something you were excited about. So again, I'm standing in the line and this is funny because the first time I'm standing in the line and you won, it was the day you got cramps. I was hoping that you were going to go sub three and I'm sitting watching the clock as it ticks away. And I think it's so crazy that it's only a couple of years later and I'm watching that clock going, Oh no, she's not going to do Dude, ten, uh, 10 minutes on there. <laughs> I was watching Thomas's face and I was like, I can't take this. 
Was he just getting sadder and sadder? Oh, you could just see he's like stressed out. Not stressed out, I think but just like he just, he just like intently like like looking yeah. at the clock. And I I could I couldn't see where you were coming from, but I could tell if he was gonna pick up his camera that you were okay. Yeah, yeah. And I knew that you weren't, and I was like, Ugh. it was you know when we leave the house and Ralphie goes up to the window. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like that. That. <laughs> that was me just like staring like at that clock going, and and I, I was like, okay. This is fine. And it, oh, she's not going to hit her goal, but she's still no, I don't see anybody else coming. So there's a chance they're still third and fourth. But the thing is, you can see forever, like down the straightaway coming into the finish line. So, like, and I had the lens. So I was every once in a while checking. So even (laughs) at like 249, you knew that it's not happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Ben had a a bright orange singlet on, which was actually helpful in that sea of pink mm-hmm. to, to be able to see him. And I remember I like, they're weaving in between. Now this wasn't the best for you. You had to kind of weave through half marathoners to get to the finish line. Well, it's worse. So when you come back up North, what it looked like on the map was that we were going to come back past the finish line and just do a loop and come back to the finish. But what they do is they, they send you back up North and then you get back onto the half marathon course and you run against all of the half marathoners coming down to the finish line for about three quarters of a mile. Ben and actually asked a volunteer at one point if we were going the right direction, even though we were literally following a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we finally get a turnaround. So you do a, you do another 180 in the middle of the half marathon course, and then you go straight down to the finish line, which luckily the winds at that point were then again at our back. And I'm looking and I'm, I'm seeing, I'm like, I think I saw some orange. And then it kind of disappeared because it probably went behind someone. And I'm like, oh, there it is again. Uh, that's that's got to be them. I'm like, and I'm using, I have like the Mac Daddy Sport lens on the on the camera. So I'm like zooming out as far as I can see to try to spot you guys. And the moment I saw that it was you guys, a, a sense of relief came over me. Probably not as much as the sense of relief of you seeing the finish line. But I was like, okay, it's done. You guys come through. Ben was gentleman. Uh, enough to kind of let you go so you could break the tape you're breaking the tape i'm snapping pictures everything is great this is awesome uh megan walks right past me (laughs) i think i think we may have exchanged something or like uh i don't even know if i saw you yeah and then uh i see her go down (laughs) yeah so i i managed to keep it together and and have a big smile on my face for for the finish line, but I, basically all of the nausea that I was feeling from mile 20, I was like, well, now, now it's time. Now the time. <laughs> and it was weird because I think the first time when we, when you were, we were talking about the other time you threw up, mm-hmm. it, you threw up, but it was like a little tiny bit. It was like that, that, <laughs> and it, it was like, that was it. This time there was a little tiny bit and I thought it was over. Oh, it was just the bottle cork. It looked, <laughs> it it looked like you drank a case of ec- high C ecto cooler and then just like, yeah, pulled an like ecto, Ghostbusters like ectoplasm. Yeah. yeah, whatever liquid I ingested <laughs> during that three hours of running was no longer. In I it. couldn't believe there was that. Like when it all came out, I was like, "That is a lot of liquid." Like that was like a gallon. Like you, yeah, your stomach clearly did not digest any of that. Well, I'm also wondering. <laughs> so this is the first time I've run a what I would call like a hard effort marathon that I have not gotten any sort of leg cramps. Well, it, oh. it was so, I think it was cold. But 
but it was I'm wet, not. It was humid. But like now that I look back and I'm like, none of that hydration was absorbed. But that's yeah. what I'm saying. It was it was humid out enough. Yeah. And I think your body was like, we got this. <laughs> you got enough in here. But you were so preoccupied with the cramps that you've had before, even though maybe this particular time you didn't need it, you kept fueling and kept going. I will say I usually get cramps uh, even maybe in a half marathon, not so much during the race, but afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like I can, and I didn't get any either, so I don't know. To cap it off, so Meg did get first place. Mm-hmm. Ben got third overall male. So Megan technically was third overall because Ben was nice enough to let her <laughs> run up ahead um, to, to break the tape. But you ended up having a PR for the day. Who knows? In your age group, did you look at your age group? I think I was third in my age group. That's oh, pretty nice. good. Are they, they have age group awards? I yeah. think, I think oh, you get, you'll That'd get something cool. in the mail. You could have been on the podium. Nice. Um, I also forgot my bib that morning and had to. Yeah. <laughs> a classic it Robbie. It wouldn't be Robbie. <laughs> like, what would have been better is if he's like, hey, I left my shoes in the car. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of all the things that you could have lost that day, your bib was probably the best thing because Megan helps the race and somebody had already checked in and been like i have this so she already knew exactly like how fast she did that for you i was yeah. like whoa that was nice that and, was a huge help yeah. i mean i did get to the surprisingly was there fairly early for the race so it wasn't yeah. i wasn't super rushed but then when we we're at the hotel before so we we're all getting ready to go robbie disappears and everybody's like let's go to the start and i'm like okay i guess he's not going to be in the start oh photos. i think that was my fourth bathroom break of the morning all right so I never, I didn't see you at the start Dude, line. Lose like three pounds right before the race. Yeah. What's uh, yeah. I was like late to the crowd. I started like 15 seconds back of the actual start. Oh wow. Oh wow. And so, you made up all that time. Yeah. You um, must've passed a shy ton of people. I, oh yeah. And then I jumped in the ocean afterwards, which that was, was awesome. the nuttiest thing. Cause it, I'm freezing cold out there. Was, like I'm shaking. It's like, we it's went like down raining to, the wind. We went down to Florida with, the idea that we were going, like it was going to be 70 in the afternoon. It never was. It stayed at like 40s and 50s. And I did not pack correctly. I had one stinky jacket. <laughs> I ran in. I wore it. Like, I'm like, I don't think it smells. I'm like, Megan's like, you smell. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was pretty brisk. I'm not going to lie. The water was cold for Florida. Also, the day before, they had like the red flags out. Like, you're not allowed to swim. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure they were still out. They were probably out there. I mean, I just like... Did a couple dips. I saw the video the that Aldrin had or whatever of you going in. I'm like, Robbie's always got to do, like, if there was a dead cat, he'd be swinging that. <laughs> like, he always got to do the, the crazy uh, thing. I it just, was, I never would have been able to get warm after that. I kind of like it. It's kind of like when you go on a really long run, long, long run, and you get home and you're like so cold. And then you just, I like the the polar extremes. Of yeah, the hot super shower. Cold and then getting warm. <laughs> So that's what I did. I was like, oh, I'd get like super cold by going in the ocean and then walking back to my car without any clothes on, which was my shorts. And then I was like, I'll get all dried off and then warm in the car. Oh, bye. No. I Wild. got some looks, but it was, no. uh, I don't know. It was actually. And then we, nice. we celebrated at Hoptinger. Yeah. Burgers, beers, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I guess boobs because it was the. Breast cancer marathon. Yeah. Kind of celebrating with that. Yeah, yeah, we got those too. Yeah. Dude, I almost puked in the bathroom though. Like I was trying, I, I went to the bathroom at one point. I was like, I can't tell if I'm going to puke or not. Oh no. I, we're, here's what I'm hoping. Like I, maybe next year you bring the whole family down or something and the weather is 
50 in the morning, 70 in the afternoon. So we get that. Because that party afterwards would have been insane oh, yeah. if the weather was good. Like yeah. it, You're right on the beach. Yeah, you're right on the beach. It would have been really cool. Yeah. But yeah, it was it, it was definitely a cool race. I'll do it again. All um, right. Let's sure. do it again. Ma- Megan, you got to let somebody else win, though. Maybe yeah, you I run. Think I'm, I think I'm good. Maybe do the ultra now. Oh. Win the ultra. Oh. Yeah, there was so only one finisher of the Donna 110 Ultra, and she was running this year because she lost her sister to breast cancer in 2021 or 2020. Oh, wow. um, and yeah, the conditions were absolutely horrible. So she was the only finisher. Yeah, because the day before was just as bad almost. And she ran all yeah, night. Not almost. It was worse. It was. It was, was it? Yeah, because it was cold, a little bit colder, I think, and then it started raining heavy. Oh, that's right. It did rain. In the, in the, in the night. Yeah. The nighttime. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, are we going to talk about the street fly since I guess so. I mean, we got a short, we should talk time. about it a little bit. Yeah. Cause it's, it's an important shoe. So here it is. Nike street fly zoom X street fly. You can't, and people want to okay, add the air, work. but there's no air in it. And Robbie, this is a light shoe for my size 10 and a half. It's like under seven ounces, under seven ounces, 183 Wild. grams. And it blows my mind because we are marketing this as your 5K, 10K shoe. The toe area here has mm-hmm. the same stack as the Streak 6 that I ran a marathon in wow. had in the heel. Oh, in the heel. Wow. So this is, it's. I think it's a 32-26. It's a 6 millimeter drop. So we've gone to this place where you got to have like a giant like stack to be considered a, a race day shoe. Race day flat. Yeah, this is like considered... You know, before the Vaporfly, this probably would have been the most amazing marathon shoe ever achieved by man. Could you imagine a six six ounce shoe? I mean, there were six ounce shoes, but you gave up any chance of having. Yeah, it was just like uh, a thin thing of EVA underneath. Yeah. So it, it's fantastic. It feels great under the foot. The Zoomax really works. It's got a shank in the mid midfoot, which I really think helps the way that I strike because I land midfoot and I just feel that extra bit of like stability in the shoe Mm -hmm. this is what i was kind of hoping the turbo was going to be when that came out this is what i was hoping the invincible would feel like remember that when we tried that on the first time yeah it felt super bouncy which it is super bouncy super bounce but like every direction yeah this one feels fast it feels light i went while ben was down there we did the 5k before the donna thing we didn't race it we just Kind of we're running around shooting videos and stuff like that. You can see the reel on Instagram. But at one point, we're sprinting down like this stretch. Mm-hmm. Ben says that we were going sub five, but I, I was on my treadmill this morning and I dropped it down to like, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's I dropped like... it down to like five. No, thir- he said sub six. No, he said sub five. Oh, wow. And, and I was like, I don't know. But I, I will say when I was chasing Jordan during that thing, I was able to get to paces I, I probably wouldn't have thought about but when i was on the treadmill today i dropped it down to like 5 30 <laughs> and stuff with the shoe on and i was like i don't think i was running yeah. sub five like that's like that speed like sub five at least for me i think is that speed where you're just like running so fast you just fall on your face because your legs like don't you can't know what you doing. do the cartoon <laughs> yeah. yeah um i'm here's the only thing i could say it's possible because what i did was i'm i was waiting with the camera as ben came and then we ran and then He's basically sprinting, and I'm sprinting along with him on the side. Mm-hmm. So who knows? And it wasn't like for a quarter yeah. mile. We're talking so about maybe 100 yards. Yeah. So how did it feel? feels great. And that was the thing. It tuned up a little bit in the fast pace. Uh-huh. The 
personality issue changed a little bit. I think it feels great at the 730 to 750 that we were running before that. Yeah. But it definitely, as you get up on your toes, I think without having the plate in there, it, you know, when you're running really fast, you get up on your toes. And without having the plate, you weren't fighting against the shoe to kind of like a stiff feeling. Right. It had that nice flexible feel off the toe, but still felt really good. Um, did, I feel like it reminds me of the Peg Turbo. So, like, what's the difference? Well, Peg Turbo had the Obviously. EVA and um, Zoom X. Oh, that's right. And it had it. It just felt that what felt like more like a daily fast daily trainer. Okay. So, I and think it was heavier. Yeah. Yeah. This. Are you gonna wear that for a five k or ten k? That, that's what I was saying. Like, I'm still probably gonna go with <laughs> Alpha Fly if I'm running a five. So what the hell is the point? Like, I don't. I don't understand. One hundred sixty dollars is the point. I mean, I guess that. It, yeah. Like for a normal person who's you know wants a fast feeling shoe, I think the shoe would, feels amazing. It reminds me of the New Balance Rebel. Would you wear that over uh, something like the Endorphin? I like this slightly better than the Takumi Sen, which I really like. It's probably my favorite adidas shoe right now the takumi sent eight okay i'd wear it um i'm trying to think of shoes that are under 200 dollars that are similar dwarf and speed or the i would over the i'd wear this over the speed okay i'd wear this over the and that would be uh people aren't going to agree with me with that i'm yeah. sure the speed to me feels like a daily trainer with a plate yeah i mean i get that yeah. this guy is so light and the cushioning is so nice and it just feels fat like you were it's feather light on your feet. So what will you use this shoe for? Me? I would use this for like those days where I feel like... Looking real good on the run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but they are hot, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I, I would use these for like like a day where maybe I want to do some tempo miles or pick up the pace. And, you know, I have the luxury of having the full range of Nike shoes. So like where I'd use a peg is like a daily trainer. Say a day where I didn't feel like feeling as sluggish as I would in the peg, I would definitely run like the faster bastards ten mile runs that we do on the weekend. This would be a fun shoe to 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 wear with that. So just, you'll you'll go distance in that shoe. I would. I mean, to me, compared to the Streak Six, which was a marathon shoe, right. this this would have been if they put this out before the Vaporfly. Like if they gone Streak Six, Streak Fly, that would have been the marathon. Everybody would have blown yeah. their mind on this. They would have lost it. Yeah. Um, it's the cushioning and the way it feels. Yeah. So when's it going to be available? It's available, I think, tomorrow at 10 a.m. Well, oh, so it'll be well, available it'll now. It'll be a, here's the thing. I don't think it's going to be available. If, it's going to sell out. If you, if you can get your hands on it, go ahead and get it. It's going to sell it immediately by the time this podcast comes out, at yeah. least on Running Warehouse. I, I believe Nike, too. Okay, yeah. And uh, uh, StockX has it for like 400 bucks. So. Yeah. And that <laughs> first, when I wasn't sure we were going to get seated it, I went on StockX and was like, I'll just get a pair off there because I feel like it's a shoe that we need to review. And uh, the bids were starting at like 400, 450 bucks. And I'm just like, it's a $160 shoe. I can't. Um, so, and luckily we got a, we got two pairs in Brandon who ran, I would say what he would call like a tempo run in it. He did a 12 mile tempo run in New York at about a 640 pace. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't fall in love with the shoe as much as I did. Yeah, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, I'm just, I'm it, just kidding. No, I'm it just, is a difference of like he his race marathon shoe. He started with the Alpha Fly. Yeah, I mean it's like you can't compare it against those shoes. It's yeah. just a different thing. Yeah, but I do think I, I'm still. I want to find out how long the foam lasts. So this is a shoe I'm going to put those extra miles in, mm-hmm. even post review. 
just to see when it starts to lose a little bit of the magic. But honestly, so far, it just feels great. I have to say I preferred it on the road over the treadmill. Last thing I want to say, which we didn't talk about, what shoes did we run in during the Donna Marathon? Oh, yeah. And half. So Megan. Alpha Fly. Rodacious. Classic. I ran in the A6 Metaspeed Sky, which I love that shoe. That's by the your way. boy. That's my favorite. See, I'm wondering, I'm hoping it's one of those things. I'm I'm guessing you're gonna like the new one even more. When I mean, it comes if they out. fix the upper a little bit, I mean the upper is isn't that bad, but I, if they even I think make it's it better. A, I think it might be a little softer underfoot. I think the plate's getting moved a little bit. Mother effer. You don't like that? As it's perfect anywhere it is. <laughs> ah, see, no, I'm I'm excited for the for me too. I don't want yeah. a softer. That was a problem I had with it. I maybe felt, a marathon I could see. Okay. Yeah. I, it got yeah. a little like that York. The York was a disaster. It was a car wreck anyway. But my feet towards the front were starting to hurt a little bit. But I was out there longer than I thought I was. You know be. what I was, <laughs> you know what I was surprised about is that I usually lose a toenail in my one beside my big toe. And the Metaspeed skies are like pretty tight. Um, and I didn't, it was fine. I didn't lose it. That's pretty good. It didn't hurt afterwards either. Yeah, my feet, nothing about my feet hurt. Felt great. That's amazing. That's my, my quads were, have been sore, but that makes sense. Quad City DJs? Yeah. These these top ones? Yeah. Okay. That's the quads, right? Yeah. The, I think nailed so. it. Yeah. I think these it. are calves. Hamstrings are on the quads, back. Quads, glutes. Yeah. Okay. Hamstring's a whole different thing. Yeah, that's just... I hate the name hamstring. Yeah, it sounds like it should be uh, like... <laughs> like string cheese, but made of ham. Well, I think it's also okay. like, have you ever heard, ever heard like when they say it, they hamstring the guy? Yeah. That was because back when they butchered, they oh, put yeah. the hook through that. Yeah, you hang it from oh, the. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Right, Glad so. we got that last bit in there. Yeah. So that's it. Is there anything in the running news world that we need to cover? No. We're good. Right. People are fed up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, people. All right, so this week our guest is Christina Welch, and isn't she from Florida? Or no, she's from she's from New Jersey, Jersey but, but she's living, living down Florida. in uh, St. Petersburg, I believe, Florida. So she's not Welsh, but uh, she is. Sure, I don't think she is. Anyway, I, she we has inter- to be back when in we, the day. We interviewed her. I didn't <laughs> see one Irish thing in the background. Or Welsh, Welsh is an Irish, though. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see anything from Wales in the background. But she is a marine biologist, so maybe there's whales that side. Boom. I like yeah. that. I like All right, that. Sorry, we made Darrell Megan's intro. Yeah. So why did why were we curious to interview her? Uh, so she is a fascinating human. And she ran her first marathon in 2019, a 329 and dropped it down in the past several years to a 2.33 in Houston this January. She ran with Ben Johnson at Grandma's Marathon, which is who actually brought her to our attention. Mm. Um, and so we just wanted to hear about her marathon progression and how she did it. Speaking of Ben Johnson, we will get him on the podcast yes. soon to talk. Uh, ben is, is kind of fascinating, but today we're going to roll. So let's do this. First tip. So, you know, we all struggle and you can see that running is not always linear, even though our guest this week had a very linear progression to her PRs. You can take a look at Megan's running. You can take a look at Robbie's running. You know, Robbie was struggling with his 
weekly runs and getting stuff done and managing a family and doing all that. So if you're struggling with stuff and it always isn't coming together with you, that doesn't mean anything. Look at Robbie now with his sweet PR. So today we are talking with Christina Welsh. Christina, welcome to the show. I'm happy to be here, guys. So you just ran a blazing 2.33 at the Houston Marathon, which is so fast and crazy in itself. But what's even crazier is your your marathon progression. progression. But wait, let's, should we get into a little bit of background before, yeah, before let's we get do it. there? All right. So Christina, you're from Hamilton, New Jersey, right? Yes. It seems like a ton of good runners come from New Jersey, including our own Brandon here at the office. But like you think about, there's a lot of lot of fast people in New Jersey for some reason. Yeah, I wasn't very fast when I lived in New Jersey, actually. <laughs> I live in Florida now. <laughs> you got faster in Florida? Yeah. Nice. Okay, so tell us, what are you doing in Florida and how did you end up there? Um, I moved here in 2019 to do a PhD program in marine biology. So I'm working on that now. I'm about halfway done. Florida's probably a great place to do that just because you have an ocean near you. Yeah, and I live right on the Gulf Coast, so it's a great location for it. That's awesome. When Have you always been like one of those kids that was real into animals and all that stuff, and this is just a natural progression? Yeah, well, I didn't know much about science when I was younger, but I had a lot of fish tanks, so I guess that <laughs> kind of counts. In, in-house biology there. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about your running journey itself. Like, when did you first start running? When did you Why? have success? Yeah, were you young, and when did you get into it? Um, so I started running kind of just for fun when I was in high school. And I didn't join the track team and start actually competing until spring of my junior year of high school. And the team wasn't – we didn't have, like, a really big distance team. It wasn't super competitive, so it was still kind of just, like, for fun – um, and then in college, I ran Division three at Stockton University, um, and even then, like, I wasn't, the 5K, 10K, like, you run in college wasn't really my, a good event for me, really, um, it doesn't really play to my talents, so even then, like, I wasn't super competitive or anything, and then I really got more into running after I graduated, because I went right into marathons and started training for those. That's what I'm doing now. So you said the 5K wasn't really your your area of talent. Where do you feel your area of talent is? Definitely in the longer distances. Like even the half marathon feels short for me. Um, and even if you look at all my PRs, like my marathon is by far better than just any other <laughs> event. Like I'm so bad at any kind of speed work at all. So do you did you just love running? It doesn't sound like, you know, you were having these fantastic performances in school but you continued with it so is this just like a passion of yours and you just enjoyed running yeah I really just love running and like the day-to-day of training is really what I'm here for even racing like even now kind of stresses me out it's not my favorite part of the whole entire training process um I really much prefer just like the workouts and like the build and everything and you like high mileage right I do yes After you graduated college is when you decided to run your first marathon, yes? So I graduated in 2018, and then I ran my first marathon 
a year later in June 2019. And what made you want to do that? I don't know. I don't really have a good reason for why. I just always, even when I was younger, like when I first started college, just had it in my head that like one day I would be a marathoner. Okay, so you run your first marathon in 2019. You run a 329. This is the Lake Placid Marathon. What what were your thoughts? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Tell us all about it. I did have fun. It was great. I finished it and immediately wanted to sign up for another marathon. Um, I did not prepare for it very well at all. I had no idea what I was doing at the time. I didn't even really know any other marathoners, so I had no one giving me advice. I walked a lot in the last couple miles. It was kind of a disaster, but That's it was amazing. still you a good time. You walked and got a 329? That's pretty good. Well, I went out way too fast. When you go out way too fast, you can do a lot of walking in the end. So what was what was your training? I mean, so you're not working with a coach at this point. You're just sort of going out there and winging it? Um. Yeah. So going into that one, and my second marathon, too, was the same. Um, I didn't have a coach. I was kind of running maybe like 60-ish miles a week. Um and I wasn't really doing workouts, and I really had no plan at all. I was just doing random running every single day. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of it just aimless. I don't know. So you had no goals heading into this? You weren't like, I want to qualify for Boston on your first marathon. You were just like, I'm going to go out and run? So I kind of had it in my head that I wanted to qualify for Boston, and then I ran a 3.29, and then I got rejected from the Boston Marathon. <laughs> I had applied for 2020, and they said, no, you're too slow. Oh. How You must have been really close to the cutoff. So I was below the cutoff. It was like 3.30, but then you had to run a 3.25 to actually yeah. get in that year. And then you went and reloaded to New York, and you dropped 10 minutes off your time, basically, down to 3.20. And you're still yeah. not doing coaching. You're so, still not doing plans. You're kind of winging it still? Yeah, so that one was pretty comparable to the first one in that I just went out way too fast and had no idea what I was doing and then walked a bunch at the end. But I think I started walking slightly later into the race, and so that was how I cut off that 10 minutes. I am, so I feel like if you're walking, especially knowing you're going out pretty fast and then you're walking at the end of these marathons, like you're you're in pain, you're uncomfortable at yeah. this point if you're walking. Why? What is bringing you back to these marathons? I don't know. I mean, even if you do a good job, the end of a marathon kind of hurts. So <laughs> you truth. just Mile 26 never feels that good, but then you forget about it a couple days later. So how are you picking your marathons at this point? So Lake Placid, uh, obviously you're in Florida for school. You're picking Lake Placid, which is uh, a, a, it's supposed to be a pretty tough course, isn't it? Yeah, it was a stupid choice. I don't know why I picked it. <laughs> that definitely was... I didn't know what I was doing when I picked it. It had like, so I was still living in New Jersey when I ran Lake Placid. Um, so I drove, I think that was the only reason I picked it was because it was the only marathon Placid. that you could drive to in June. Um, and it was so hilly. It had like 2,400 feet of gain. And the part of New Jersey I lived in was completely flat. So I did absolutely no hills going into it. I didn't know what gels were at the time. Like, I don't think I took any gels the entire race because I didn't know that they existed. It was just a mess. 
So, there was no actual thought that went into any of my decisions for those early marathons. Were you just going off a of Gatorade then or like whatever they had at the water stops? Yeah, I think they were giving out Gatorade. And I think I might have had one gel that they gave out somewhere on the course, but I had never had one before. So like, I don't think I took the whole thing yeah, and didn't know what to do out. with it. <laughs> So you run that 320 in at New York City. You definitely qualify for Boston because that gives you a 10-minute buffer. Um, what happens after that? Because it takes you a full year before you reload. Were you like, I'm going to take a break from these marathons? No, COVID happened. Oh. Um, I was signed <laughs> I up for a marathon. COVID. <laughs> that thing. Yeah. I was signed up for several marathons in 2020 or, you know, that I tried to go to and they all got canceled. So the Space Coast Marathon finally happens in November of 2020 and you drop another eight, 17 minutes off your time, almost three hours. What did you do between the New York and the Space Coast Marathon? So with that one, um, I did have a training group that I was training with. So it wasn't like quite as intense as like my current or like my coaching after that was but going into that one um I was at least around other marathoners who could give me some guidance and kind of tell me what to do I was doing workouts with other people for a little while like in a group um so it was just like slightly more direction it still wasn't like a super individualized clear training plan but it was better than just like going out and doing random mileage i just felt like and did you focus on nutrition at all at this point because i feel like running a three-hour marathon you got to be taking something out there on the course yeah so i kind of started to figure it out i think i took like two gels during that marathon um (laughs) so it was better but it still wasn't perfect by any means um i still didn't know at that point many other people who were like really into marathoning so i still didn't just i just like didn't have a lot of people giving me advice that's, that's and interesting. Didn't know is, do you think look. that's a, a was it an age thing or where you are in you know going after your higher education that you're just around academics more than uh athletes like what do you think it was that you weren't finding that um because i would think like most of the time when people get down to low threes and they start thinking about sub three marathon they start attracting people that are also similar goals that want the same stuff so you start getting like more input and, and training and you weren't getting that what do you what do you think what why weren't those people why weren't you drawing that into your uh, training um well i had a lot of friends who ran who i would like run with sometimes but no one who i guess was like taking it as seriously as I was at the time um and I had a lot of friends at the time who were older who like had run fast times and like had trained really seriously when they were younger but were now like maybe in their like 50s or 60s um that was kind of like the general makeup of the running group I was in at the time so yeah it was it was improving but I still hadn't attracted too many other like people my age who were trying to do the same thing but that started to happen more like after Space Coast. I think locally people kind of noticed me a little bit after that. When people are following along. What you're going to notice here is that the times keep dropping by about 10 minutes per marathon, which is kind of insane. 
just uh, that kind of progression. And uh, it just keeps going. Yeah, I feel like, well, at least from personal experience, I'll have a good marathon and then a not so great marathon. And there's not this like beautiful trajectory of getting faster and getting faster and getting faster. But you've run six marathons since 2019 and every single one got faster. Yeah, well, when you start off as rough as I started <laughs> off, it's not that hard to get faster afterwards. So after you run that 303, was your immediate goal, like, I have to go sub three? Or was your goal going into um, Space Coast to go sub three? I had no goals going into Space Coast, um, honestly. I didn't even sign up for it until, like, three weeks before the race. Because I was supposed to do some other race that was like a couple months after. And then it got canceled for COVID. Um, so I just found Space Coast and it was kind of close by and it was definitely going to happen. And like I said, like I hadn't raced in a year because everything had been canceled. So I was like, I'm just going to do this because it's an actual opportunity, which I haven't had for a while. I find this also interesting because I feel like most runners we talk to are so like a personalities and everything has to be structured and I need to make sure I'm doing this, this, and this. And you seem like you're totally fine just saying, I'll just see what I can do. And I have no real plan. Is that how you are? Is that how you've always been with everything in life? Um, I think I've gotten better about it since I've gotten older, especially with running. And, like, I do still like to have some semblance of a plan in my training. Like, I definitely like to know, like, what kind of mileage I'm going to be doing or, like, what the workouts are going to be. But I try not to be too picky about, like, paces and, like, hitting splits and figuring that kind of stuff out ahead of time. Because I feel like there's just so much that can factor See, into that. it. It's just not... I, I think that's... It, I think it's zen, and I wish more... I wish I could be like that. Like, hey, let's just see how it feels today. We'll go out. I'm hitting my paces. Oh, look at this. I'm dropping 10 minutes <laughs> off my marathon. Like, that would be amazing. Um, I'm going to have to, if you write a book on that, I'll read it. But, uh, yeah. So let's continue on because, like, I want to know, like Megan said, you, you uh, so obviously you're not like, well, I want to go sub three, but you're like, I want to perform well and I want to have a good run, Space Coast. But you are right there knocking at the door of sub three, which is a lot of runners, a lot of amateur runners. Sub three is really a huge goal for a lot of people. So does it enter your mind now when you're going into the Wilmington Marathon that like, hey, I can I have a chance to go sub three, which is pretty strong. So going into Wilmington, um, I... My goal, I think, was to run, like, around a 250. I can't really remember exactly, but... So that was a really bad race for me. Like, regardless of time, like, the execution of the race was not good. Like, I felt really bad really early on, had some real slow miles in the middle. It was rough. Like, I thought I was going to die at the finish line of that race. Um... So it was right after that that I switched my coach um, and then got a new coach that was more 
of an individualized training plan, more of like a, just like what I guess you would expect nowadays, like for people to have, like, he was the one who really taught me how to like, how many gels you were supposed to take. Like I had no idea how many they were supposed to take them like every, what, four miles or whatever. Um, he taught me about like, I didn't know you were supposed to have different shoes for all your different runs. Like I was wearing the same pair of shoes for every single run. Wait a second. Um, so what shoes were you wearing for the first three marathons? I'm pretty sure. And now I work at a running store. So like, I actually know about shoes now. So looking back on this, this was so stupid. Um, I'm pretty sure I wore Saucony Freedoms for my first Whoa. marathon. <laughs> I know. Yeah, not the lightest and also a little bit bottom heavy, but yeah. Yeah, literally the worst possible choice. I don't know why I did that. That's amazing. Then so I you're doing all your training. Kivari, on one. All your mileage is in that one shoe then. Like you're running your, your morning runs and then your speed work or if you did speed work and then to the races, same shoe. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Mm. I don't know why I was doing that. I don't know why it didn't occur to me that that was obviously wrong, but I didn't know. Um, so it was after Wilmington that I really like really switched things up and like figured out all those little details like that. Um, so that was like, to me, I think of it as my first two marathons, I was doing one thing. And then my second two marathons, I was kind of like in between. And then like my most recent two, I was like actually trying. All right, second check-in. Again, we're going to go back to that inconsistency. When you come, you're going to line up, you're going to do all your training, you're going to come to a race, and you're going to end up there with 46-degree temperatures, with winds blowing, a gusts up to 40 miles per hour, rain, and you're going to be like, man, maybe I should just throw in the towel. Maybe I should uh, come back and race a different day or, or you know, just adjust my pace or anything. And again, we're going to take a look at what Robbie did. And he just said, you know what? I had a plan. I'm going to stick with it. Went out there and did it. So don't let the conditions or things that are out of your control make you feel like you've got to rearrange everything and start from fresh. Go out there, be brave, and do your run. It gets, well, here's where it gets really exciting. Like, I think for most people, like we're saying, a lot of amateur athletes, uh, breaking three is like the super goal. And then starting to get curious of where you can go with it. And you switching your switch coach. Obviously, you got a good pair of shoes now. What did you run um, Houston in? Did you run those in Alpha Flies or Vapor Flies or something else? Yeah, I had Vapor Flies for Houston. Okay. So you, you get some light shoes with some cushioning. Legs are probably feeling better in the final miles. <laughs> and uh, you're, you're dropping it. And Grandma's Marathon, you ended up meeting a friend of ours. I think. At- yeah, well, actually, um, Christina, I meant to mention this in the beginning, but I reached out partially because our friend Ben Johnson ran Grandma's Marathon, and I think he ran a lot of it either. I'm not sure if you guys were in a pack or. Um, yeah, I met him there. It was just I wasn't even really a pack. It was just me and him for like a long <laughs> stretch of it. 
And I didn't know who he was before that. And all these people were like waving and saying hi. And I was like, wow, this guy has so many friends. <laughs> and then after, I figured out who he was. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he is actually the one uh, who brought you to my attention because he was like, we ran together in grandma's and she just ran a 233, like dropped another insane time. So we just skipped over the grandma's. She ran a 244. So another 10 minutes off. Or, or more than 10 minutes. But off. what's the craziest about this is you run Wilmington in April and then two months later you run grandma's and drop a significant amount of time off of your marathon. 12 minutes. Yeah, I don't even know how that happened. People always ask me about that one in particular because it was, they were only seven weeks apart and I have absolutely no idea how that happened. Because at this um, point, ha have, new shoes. <laughs> have you already switched uh, coaches? Like when did you make the switch? Was it after Wilmington or before? It was literally like an hour after Wilmington. It was like on the plane home. I had, so the coach that I switched to is a guy who I like sort of knew a little bit and he had, offered to coach me in the past. I had always said no. Um, and then after Wilmington, like literally on the plane home, I messaged him and was like, okay, I would like you to be my coach now. And I signed up for grandma's like on the plane. Why had he reached out to you in the first place? Um, I think he saw my result from Space Coast and then he like found me on Strava and saw my Strava and was like, I think I can make your training better than oh, wow. it is now like you have more potential than you're using right so what did what changed with your training when you switched coaches like was it drastic or was it just some small things maybe a little bit so i had been running maybe like 100 miles a week um up until wilmington um but i was doing like three workouts a week and i was doing kind of a lot of speed work which like i said is not really my specialty um so when i switched coaches the I think the biggest change that he made in my training was that the volume increased a lot. Um, so I was running like well over a hundred after that. And then the intensity of the workouts went down. Like I kind of entirely stopped doing speed work. Um, it was mostly like tempo paced runs. Um, and it was just more about like getting in like volume and like aerobic training over like quick speed stuff. So when you say, say tempo training, so like in a typical long run or something, you're putting in high mileage in the week. Are you just setting aside blocks to practice marathon pace? Um, yeah. So recently, like up until Houston, my typical training week would be like during the week I would do kind of a threshold pace workout. So like a little bit faster, but still not super, not like a 5k workout or anything like that um and then on the weekend i would do like a longer one that would have some marathon paced effort in it um and that was about it for workouts and honestly i almost never actually hit the goal paces i was like way below for all of them or way slower for all of them i think um, i think it was definitely a lot of people hope <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so like even going into Houston, the pace I ran my last 10k at in Houston, I didn't touch that pace one time during the entire build. Oh, wow. Like I don't even know how that happened. I have to say I stalked you on Strava a little bit and I pulled up your Houston marathon and 
it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Like your splits are so consistent and then get slightly faster and then even faster towards the end. And I'm like, that is the most amazing looking marathon I've ever seen. But let's talk about this for a second because it sounds like her first two marathons were the exact opposite. Yes, <laughs> they were. If I was on Strava back then, it would be like you flipped that Strava map over. Yeah. So it's all came down to you think these workouts but like i think the hardest thing is for people to believe that they can hit certain paces and feel those paces what is it when you're running houston because you ran a 233 in houston which is exceptional um you know that's that's really getting up there close to that uh pro level yeah pro level that in in six marathons you got yourself in, in a really good and if you keep the trajectory keeps going. You're going to beat Kipchoge in, in about four marathons. <laughs> but um, the, uh, you know, it, it, what what is it about when you're running out there, that feeling that you had in Houston where you're like, I can put the gas on? So like I said, I don't really like to focus too much on, like, splits and stuff. Um, I, I did wear my watch and everything, and, like, I was looking at the miles as they were going by, but... I really didn't have a great concept of what pace I was running. Like, I had absolutely no idea that I was on 233 pace, like, until the moment I saw the clock. Like, I didn't know. So, I wouldn't really call it confidence. I would just say I was just didn't... Oblivious. I just didn't know what was happening. <laughs> but so no, I, what I mean is, you know when you're pushing the pace, and, like, I think there's a internal speedometer that goes, you back off because I can't hold this much faster. You're clearly not getting to that point in the Houston Marathon where you're like, I better slow down because otherwise your splits would be going the other way. Yours seems to get more excited as you're running. That feeling like to accelerate or to push it a little bit further, was that just based on, hey, I'm at this mile and I want to get done? So I think one thing is I do a lot of volume in my training. Like I went up to like 135 miles a week during that training block. So like even at a mile... 20 or 20 like towards the end I never really get like intimidated by the distance of the marathon like it never really feels like that that far just because I'm just so used to the high volume um but so another thing is like I don't like I like to do all my workouts kind of off feel a little bit more um and I think part of that has to do with living and training in Florida because it's like now it's kind of cold, but for the most of the year, like 10 months out of the year, it's so hot and humid and like tropical conditions here. So you can't really put too much thought into the workout splits. Um, just because there's no way to run all your training runs in 90 degrees and humidity and then somehow convert that into what your race pace should be at like 45 degrees. Yeah, we definitely so, know that. We, uh, when we were down in Florida, we had to do a 20 mile um, training, run. training run. And it was, I would have thought my marathon's gonna die if this is the best I can do. It was it was one of those runs where you're just dragging it out. I even stopped at like one of those like gas station convenience stores cause I was like so dehydrated by the end of that run. It was just miserable. So I don't know how you Florida people do it. Yeah, you can get used to anything if you do it long enough guess so um um okay i i want to back up a little bit here so 135 miles a week is 
is crazy. <laughs> like that's a lot of mileage. That's high mileage for the pros. Um, like, did you just feel fine? Were you doing two a days? Like, how did you split it up? Yeah, how do you get in 135 miles during the week? Um, so I built up to that. I only did it for two weeks at 135. Um, so it wasn't that crazy, but I was doubling five days a week. So I had five easy days a week and they would be like a longer run in the morning and then a four mile double in the afternoon. And then I would have a midweek workout that would be like 18-ish miles and then I'd have a long run on the weekend. So that was like how my weeks were all structured. Um, how long were your long runs? Did you go over 26? My longest one was 26 miles. Okay. Did you ask if anybody had a medal handy when you finished? <laughs> Man, I was dying that day. So it was a depletion run. Do you guys ever do depletion runs? They're terrible. No. So I just that? finished it and thought I could pass out. Describe um, the you, you take here. you don't take any nutrition, right? Yeah, you just don't take any nutrition the whole time. Mm. And it was like unseasonably hot. It was like December in Florida is normally like kind of chilly, but it was like seventy something degrees that so day, no and I did the twenty six. I think I stopped for water. Sometimes I don't stop for water on those, but that time I did because it was like really hot um, and it was just terrible. And I just thought I was going to die. So I wasn't <laughs> thinking about anything at the end of that run. So Houston felt great. <laughs> yeah, Houston was awesome compared to that. Yeah, I feel like that must have played a factor when you're used to training in these hot and humid conditions and then you go to Houston and it was, it was probably actually pretty cold for you. Uh, I think it was 30s? Yeah, it was freezing. It was like in the 30s, but then it was like a 15 mile per hour wind. So I think the feels like was like 28 or something like that. Mm. And you're probably in like your crop top and buns. And that's it. Yeah, it was terrible. I thought I was going to freeze to death. Mm. And at the start line, there was this announcement that was just playing over and over again. That was like, white flag warning like cold and windy oh. conditions and i was like saying that like why are you saying that now that was like we were at a, a marathon in florida and uh one of the pros that was there that was helping uh with promoting the race kept saying it's gonna be a warm one out there take two or three minutes off your regular pace and we're like why would you tell people that right before a race just nobody needs to hear that they need to slow down right they're just trying to get in people's heads. Like, I think they did it on purpose to be mean or something. I don't know. It was a big day for a lot of people. Hitting hitting 233 at, at that race, obviously that's that's a number that gets you some attention in the in the running world. Have, like, what's happened since Houston as far as offers or people talking to you or, or just wanting to, other than, like, podcasters like us coming at you? Is, are there brands and people that are interested in talking to you at this point? Not really, no. Um, mostly just people, like, a lot of people followed me on Instagram and, like, sent me messages like, oh, good job, that kind of thing. But that's about it. All right, we need to get her an agent. Do you have, <laughs> I was going to say, do you have any desire to, if a brand was to approach you, was it, is it something you'd think about? Like, I'd love to be a professional runner and skip out on the rest of your school. Fishes can do fine. That would be great. <laughs> if I didn't have to work, that'd be awesome. Who likes working? Yeah. That run store here, putting shoes on sweaty people's feet. <laughs> I mean, like... 
I mean, I like my job, but if I could just not have a job, that'd be way better. I feel you for sure. Um, okay. I want to go back to Houston for a little bit because I know you are not into goals and not really into time and stuff, but you're working with a coach at this point. So is he putting in your head, Hey, I think you can run X or o- like, are you starting to think about the Olympics? I'm assuming you were going for an OTQ time. Yeah. So going into the race, his goal that he came up with for me was just like to try to run a trials qualifier. So like sub 237 and even that, I was kind of thinking, like, I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. We'll see how this plays out. Um, but, yeah, he he was, he was more of a planner than me, and he would always try to, before races, like, give me an actual race plan, you know, like you're supposed to have. And I'd be like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to see what happens. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. <laughs> that's hilarious. So. When you're doing these super high mileages, are you also doing a very hard taper? Or, like, what does the week right before Houston look like for you? Um, I didn't taper, like, too, too sharply. Um, I do a two-week taper. And two weeks out was still, like, 90 miles. And then the week of the race was, like, I want to say it was, like, 60-something. But that included the race. So it was less than that, actually. Um, okay, so you clearly have a good day. But is there any point in this race where things start to hurt for me in the marathon like the the most stressful part I guess is usually like mile 10 or so like that's the part where I kind of you know you start to get tired but you still have a lot left to go so I was kind of starting to panic around that part yeah I don't know I just hung with the pack I was with the pack at that part which normally I'm not so good at running with a pack but it was so windy that I was like you can't you can't go off on your own that's just not an option today so I was in this pack, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to stay with these people till the end of the race, but I'm just going to hang on as long as I can. So that was kind of the toughest part for me. And then, yeah, that feeling just kind of went away after a while. I don't even know how. That's pretty nice. Um, Do you have any, like, mantras or tricks where if things start to hurt in the middle of a marathon that sort of get you out of them? Um, I wouldn't say I have a mantra, but I guess when it starts to get, like, rougher I try to kind of just stop paying attention to anything and just like zone out and just think about like the rhythm of the running and that's it just that just like that repetitive motion kind of thing okay so you finally see the clock it says to probably 32 something and what are you ecstatic are you shocked like what are your immediate feelings and then after you cross the finish line like who's the first person you tell i did not think that it was real at first i was like the clock has to be wrong like what happened how is this happening how's the clock wrong right now um but so the way the finish at houston is um you kind of turn a corner and then the finish line's like right there like 50 feet away so you don't like it wasn't like a long build-up where I could see that I was going to run a 233 if it was I probably would have tried a little harder at the very end because 23300 is like the dumbest time ever. <laughs> yeah so I finished and I was like well I guess I have to check the official results because I don't know what's happening and the official results also said 233 so I was like okay that's cool and then I called the first person I called was my best friend that I've been running with since college who loves running too and we both just love running um her name's Alicia and I always call her right after races to talk about the race she's always the first person I call 
Okay, so how are you feeling now? You've had some time away from the marathon. How was the recovery, and how are you feeling? Um, the recovery was pretty good. Uh, I recovered, I think, a little bit quicker than any of my past marathons. Um, I've already, I'm already back to running. I did my first workout of my new training block this morning. Um, the new training block for well, Boston? Uh, no. Um, I don't want to run the Boston Marathon. They rejected me. I'll never do that marathon. <laughs> <laughs> F you, Boston. <laughs> so what? Which I know is so petty, yeah. but I don't ever want to do it now. Um, my next race I'm doing is going to be the Cherry Blossom 10 Miler. Oh, we'll be there. Yeah, we will be there. Oh, nice. That'll be like nothing for you. You'll be like, yeah. Huh. You'll done. probably go for another run afterwards. I'm assuming. I'm actually really nervous about it because it's going to be so short for me. Gonna go. Well, you're used but. to the cold. It usually can be a pretty chilly morning. So the course is great. The vibe is awesome. You'll really dig it. I'm assuming then that your coach picked this race for you, or did you pick this one out? Um, yeah, this race was chosen for me. I don't really. I know that it's important to do some speed work sometimes, but I would never choose for myself a 10 mile race. I would just keep picking marathon after marathon until. It was a disaster. Do you have a next marathon on the on the horizon? Yeah, I'm running grandma's again this year in June. You kind of have to be... It's hard to do a fall marathon when you live in Florida because then, like, the peak of your training block is, like, the summer, and that's kind of difficult. So it's kind of better to plan around that. So I want to do that one before it gets super hot. I mean, you're doing all this mileage. Do you have any desire to go further than the marathon like some 50ks 50 mile races anything like that absolutely not <laughs> so i've been asked this and i feel like all the cool things in ultra running are like trail races and like in the mountains and stuff and i cannot stand trails like i don't want to run on trails ever so i don't think that's for me i mean the J, J, jfk 50 miler the oldest one in the U united states it has somewhat of a trail portion to it but it's mostly road and when i say trail it's more like that rail to trail kind of trail stuff so if you ever want to kick it up i'm pretty sure like 15 miles of it is on the appalachian trail though <laughs> yeah but it we'll check the course for you i think you'll be fine that's a, that's a trail 15, like i'm from new jersey like, like i don't do trails 10 minutes of your time <laughs> I don't like the wilderness. I'm really scared of nature. That's the reason I don't like trails. If I see a snake, wait, I'm going to freak second. out. You're in school for marine biology, and you're afraid of snakes. I like to stay in the lab. I don't like to go outside. Okay, so no sharks for you. I don't even know how to swim. Like, I'm a terrible marine biologist, honestly. Oh, boy. This is hilarious. This I is, love it. It's awesome. <laughs> Just aquariums. <laughs> Yeah, just indoor, indoor fish. Okay, so now that you work at a running store, tell us all about what shoes you're training in right now. What's your go-to daily trainer? What's your speed day shoe? I'm assuming race day is going to continue to be the Nike Alpha Fly or Vaporfly. Um, so my favorite daily trainer is the Pegasus. Um, I have a lot of pairs of Pegasus. I wear the Endorphin Shift sometimes, but it's a little bit flat for me, so I don't wear it all the time. Um, I have the whole endorphin line. I like the endorphin speeds for some like lighter workouts and the pros for longer workouts. Um, so we're pretty much Pegasus and then Vaporfly for race day? 
you are so easy. I love this. Like, <laughs> like uh, your coach has to just be like, yeah, go run these miles, do these things. Oh, okay, I'll just do it. Yeah. Do you find Pretty that much. you're really laid back and easy as far as running goes? I had to fight with my coach a lot to get him to give me 135 miles a week. And I complain a lot if there's any speed work on my schedule. So I'm probably kind of difficult to coach, really. So you pushed for the high mileage more than he wanted to give I you? I did, yes. Yeah, when he first... So he was a guy who was also really into high mileage himself. Um, so I think that was why he saw my Strava and was like, I can help you specifically um, because I clearly wanted to do the same thing. Um but when he first started coaching me, he told me that I would never, ever, ever go above, like, 120, and even that would be in, like, the distant future. And I just complained so much that he gave me 135 <laughs> for my next marathon. Well, it seemed to work out just fine. It did, see? So, I know what I'm talking about sometimes. There you go. Okay, so you officially have an Olympic trials qualifying time. I'm assuming, grandmas, you're going to even want to take that down further. But for someone who is aiming for that 237, who's an amateur runner, do you have any advice to them mental or training-wise that you would say if they were going in for a race shooting for that 237? That you have to just trust your training and trust that the taper is going to make a big difference and don't be afraid of like any paces or how you feel in the race because everything is different on race day. All right, final check-in. Get yourself a friend. Talk about Megan and her run and another win at, at Donna. I don't know that it would have been possible without the friendship that we have with Ben Johnson and being out there and pacing and working with her and having a positive person on your side to help you achieve your goals. So if you've got a friend and they help you, maybe let them know. Thank you. Give them a hug. Send them a note. Maybe a text today. Maybe a call. I don't know. Do people still use phones? I don't know. But keep up the good work. You got to stay consistent. You got to finish strong no matter what the conditions are. And you got to find yourself a buddy. So do those three things and you'll be doing all right. See you next week. All right. We have some end of podcast questions that we ask everyone. We never asked her what her favorite Will Ferrell movie was. Oh, yeah. Are you a Will Ferrell fan? Um, That's a no. <laughs> I don't have a good answer to that question. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay. When you are out running by yourself, headphones or no headphones? No headphones ever. What is your celebratory post-race uh, meal or beverage or both? Well, it's really hard to eat after a race. Um, so I don't really have a post-race meal. After Houston, I had a lot of gin and tonics, but that might not <laughs> yes. be the best I love it. That's good. Um, okay, and if you weren't studying to become a marine biologist, what would you be doing? Like, what is your dream job? I mean, I really like studying to be a marine biologist. I'd say that's my dream job, unless the option is have no job and just run. <laughs> so a professional runner, professional potentially. Run, 
Let's, let's say that. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was cool to get to learn a little bit more about your insane journey from a 329 to a 233 marathon. Um, we will see you at the Cherry Blossom 10 miler, mm -hmm. and then we'll be rooting for you at Grandma's. I mean, with those times, could you potentially win Grandma's? I don't know. That seems unlikely. I feel like there's got to be faster people there for sure. Right. Well, you no, never know. I, I hope I hope you do win it. Yeah. I, Thank you. It's, I it's refreshing it. to see somebody who's achieving what you're achieving that's doing it in a way that is so relaxed. Like, it's, you know, it's, you, we get all, like, uptight and, like, regimented when, I, oh, I got to hit these workouts, I got to hit these paces, I got to do this, I got to do that. And it seems like you have more of a, a refreshing approach to it, which is more relaxed and just growing into it and seeing what you can do, which is, uh, I think if you could bottle that, I'd, I'd take some. I just don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's hard to take things too seriously when you have no idea what's going on ever. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Meg, do you know when this one will air? Uh, in a couple of weeks. Yep. Cool. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah. Good luck on your journey. I, I, I do think, uh, you know, you're hitting those times. You keep keep doing that. You should be somebody should be reaching out to you to at least put sneakers on your feet and a singlet on your back. So let's let's hope we see that happen. All right, so that wraps it up, Meg. Does this inspire you to drop all your marathons by 10 minutes uh, each time you step on the line? Yeah. I don't, I'm, do I just up my mileage like crazy? I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. You got to start running those 190 mile weeks. Yeah. Oh, wow. Robbie, you into that? <laughs> uh, she so did grit in one, one week. 190 <laughs> mile months are more interesting yeah. to me. Seriously, what was it? It was like 180. No, she, she peaked out 135. 135. Yeah. Okay. I, I just, Put the threes together. Okay. Carry the one. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's insane, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. All right. So uh thanks this week. I wanna thank you know what? I wanna thank Ben. I really appreciate him taking care of Megan and getting her uh paced to the finish. It was also fun to do a couple runs with him with the streak fly while we were down there. And we actually did a first impression video, but we didn't bring the mic, so it was windy on the beach and while he looks great. The shoe looks great. The sound is horrible. Is We're going to try to pull some clips and put it into our first impression that I just did with Brandon. But yeah, thanks, Ben, for being out there. Always appreciate your friendship. And uh, I guess we should thank Brandon now for editing and being our producer. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to thank Rich for taking me out fishing. <laughs> fishing, Richin. Rich and fishing. We, uh, it was a cold and windy day on the lake, but... We, uh, was you, caught didn't a skate. your foot have to dethaw before you could drive? Yeah, I had to sit in the car for like a half an hour and <laughs> fall my foot out under the rate, under the heater. Uh, it was and, wild. And all I got was a as a stingray. Yeah, a skate, and we caught. Well, we did catch a. He caught a trout, twenty two inch trout. Um, did you keep it? No, we threw it back. But anyways, it was a good day, nonetheless, out on the water. And then I want to thank. Uh, another guy, his name is Ben, who said hi to us. He listens to the podcast. I ran into him at Walgreens, just like 
I was getting a Gatorade. Wait, is this the Ben? The Ben who yelled? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was feeling really nauseous, this guy passing the other way started yelling, "Go get him that salmon or something!" And I, <laughs> I literally said I didn't almost, want salmon. <laughs> I almost lost it at that, but I also had the biggest smile on my face because of it. Yeah, so thanks, same guy. Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, it was cool, just like randomly running into Walgreens, and uh, yeah. So and just thanks to everybody. There were some people not during the race, but who commented like "Husker do's, Husker don'ts." So. <laughs> For, for me, and uh, Husker did it. Yeah, yeah, Husker <laughs> did. I have to say, Robbie, I'm super impressed. Like, I, I know that you've been struggling with some of your running, and to be able to put together a really fine race with splits like that was was pretty incredible. So congrats. Well, thanks for cheering me on. I appreciate that. Yay, Robbie. Um, all right, so that wraps it up for this week. I guess we got to say hi to one more person. Hi, Mom. And then that wraps it up. Listen for this secret track. Robbie, you got something special for us this week. Yep, let's hit it. All right. All right.